wings, etc. Good food, great times, and the Red Hawks basketball coach, Brad Korn, is here. How are things, coach? Doing well, doing well. Game day, so we're ready to uh, ready to go. Ready this to is go. probably the last thing you want to do on game day: is sit down <laughs> for an hour. Uh, but we do have uh, a guest lined up, and he is right across the way. Chris Harris, the MVP of the OVC basketball tournament, is here, and we will talk with Chris. Yeah, that's pretty cool that he, uh, you know, he's just in town and uh, decided to come over here. We asked him last night if he'd come and, and do that, so I think it's a pretty cool thing to be able to have him and talk to him after the fact. Again, you talked to him throughout the season, but now to be able to talk to him after the fact, uh, once the eligibility is over and obviously that run and his success that he had at the end of the year, and uh, obviously he can touch on that. But uh, pretty cool to have him around. Again, when you talk about building a program and, and having your guys bought in, and, uh, Israel Barnes just went over sees in portugal and is playing extremely well uh, nate johnson is over there playing well so just to see your seniors do well and to come back that's what it's all about and uh, not only that also can say that they're champions so kind of a, a win-win all the way around for us in that regard it was cool because he was at the show me center uh, prior to the evansville game when you unveiled uh, not only the ovc tournament championship banner but the ncaa tournament banner as well what i thought was cool was they got rid of the really old banners from 99 2000 i mean those things looked ancient and you know they were let's face it 23 years old but you replace those with newer banners that look exactly like the new championship banner i thought that was cool yeah it was and i didn't even know that was going to happen uh it's actually something that we talked about and chris can talk about it too when he gets up here but uh we would talk about that a lot in practices or if we're having a bad practice it's like hey look at the look at those things that's how long it's been that's how old it is and this is why we're doing what we're doing to replace that to change that to put a new one up there so to see it all come you know to fruition to, to have it happen and to be able to have guys be able to take part in that dylan was on facetime with nate johnson during that whole whole deal so nate woke up at whatever time that was in portugal uh, to see that so and to have chris here at for that moment um, again a lot of life moments sport moments that are never going to leave those guys and that's what again that's what a program and that's what winning is supposed to do so i had chris on at halftime of the evansville game so he okay. was he was He's in, getting too much attention he was we in the building move. so we just uh, we just talked we gotta to move him. on from this guy eric uh but he was there he was the guy who actually pulled the rope yeah. to unveil the banners and i thought it was pretty cool the crowd started chanting mvp yeah. when uh, when he was up there yeah great crowd too and unfortunately we didn't play our best um and again i think i not to make an excuse for our guys, but I do think that there was, uh, I think our players were just trying to live up to uh, that ghost, if you will, of, of trying to, we have to play so well and be so good because we want to change. We're going to do this, we're gonna, and then you kind of fall flat. So I'm excited to see what we have tonight. Uh, but to have Chris in town, and um, the cool thing too, Eric, is I think that you look at, I didn't have anything to do with any of that stuff. Our admin took care of that type of stuff because I've got a lot of experience. And a lot of our programs have won championships before. We were kind of that last one to get one. And I so, think every program has won championships now under Brady Barkey. And so now by the time, when it's time to do something like that, it's done right, it's done well, because we've got a lot of experience through other programs and other the successes that we've had from our other programs. I know you're focused on this year, and you know, you're focused on Central Arkansas right now. But looking back on it now, you have a chance to kind of step away and look back. Four wins in four days, does it uh, – d- does it – really sink in what you guys did accomplish to, to get those banners at the show me center uh you know what eric i've i've honestly i don't know if i've allowed myself to kind of go there 
Um, to be honest with you, when the rings came in, that was kind of the moment of like, oh, all right, you know, because now you see that the Red Hawk logo. I've got six ones with the at SIU. I've got three or four at K-State. But to see that one, that, um, and I think one thing that stands out is, of course, Selection Sunday, that was kind of a moment of like, wow. Um, but Coach LaDon Champney came in when the rings came in just one just randomly one day and was like he had it on when we gave it to him and he was just like hey man what like you did this like he, how's this feel and he was all excited about all that and i just was like i i, I try to be a humble person and understand and try to see bigger picture eric and um um i don't know if i've allowed myself to just go there as far as like man we you know because it's not it, it's not me you know what I mean? I didn't do that. Well, a lot of people did that. Of course, you're, I'm on the radio show and all that type of stuff, and you got to call timeouts and take tough questions when you don't play well. But at the end of the day, it's, it's Chris Harris. It's Phil Russell. It's Israel Barnes missing games. It's Adam Larson hitting threes. It's You know, there's so much that goes into it. Uh, but, again, to think of the experiences, I talked about it when you got to call an NCAA tournament game. You know, just so all the people that go into it, little guys got to, to be part of a selection Sunday within the community that they're going to remember well within – their basketball lives and so just the the impact that it can have is is pretty unique um and i don't know that i've ever i've really allowed myself to go there uh, so to speak Uh, because again as a coach as a competitor you're thinking about we got to do it again now we got to do it again we got to do it again so uh, i do need to take some time and and really look back on i have watched that game more than i've watched probably any other game and uh, but i just sit there and reflect a lot of times kind of like an old man or just uh just the, the i have all the mental pictures of what that celebration was about in the Ford Center, and those are the types of things I kind of reflect on, and it's like, man, that's pretty – I get more enjoyment. I don't know if it's an age thing or getting older or whatever it is, but uh, I get more enjoyment out of seeing other people get excited about it than I do necessarily myself. Good answer. Uh, and as you – It's kind of a long one, but uh, you, you always tell me we got all this time to fill on this hour, so. We do. we got to fill time. <laughs> so every team is different. Yeah. This team is way different than last year's team, although you've got some guys that did taste a championship. Uh, this year's team, very less experienced. I mean, now you've got a guy like Rob Martin. He played in 12 games yeah. last year. I mean, he, he yeah. barely saw the floor. You really have guys that are really getting their first real taste of Division One basketball. Yeah, so nine guys came back from that championship team, but again, totally different roles. You know, you talk about Phil and Chris. Obviously, they were the head of the Snake Force, and so, and I'll use Aquan as an example, or even Josh as an example, and even Dylan. You know, those guys when they had a role and they had to perform, but it was, of course, in that next tier, if you will. And so if Josh Early popped up and got us 10 and 8, it was like, we're definitely going to win this game. And now you go from that, and then the next game he might have 4 and 4. It's like, well, that's all right, because you had Nate Johnson there that was a stabilizing force, only got to start and play every game for us a year ago. Well, now Josh has got to go from we're expecting him to get 8 and 8 every night or 12 and 8 every night, and that's a totally different world to live in. And so I think it's interesting for those guys, and, again, every role, every team, every every year is different, as you said. They're realizing now, I think a guy like Aquan Smart is realizing now, you go from fourth, fifth on the Sky Report to now number one on the Sky Report or number two on the Sky Report. That comes with a totally different type of a mindset. And so if, you're, you're, if your mindset is coming into the game, is like, all right, well, I'm going to go get 20 because Chris and Phil are gone. Well, you're probably not going to have success. You know, it's, it's figuring out the game within the game. And I think that's where we're, we are still getting to that point. And we put the roster together the way that we did. Uh, again, with the whole portal and everything else, I – 
a lot of guys go, I think Moorhead has seven or eight seniors, and they went and grabbed a bunch of fifth-year senior guys to get old and stay old, and that's what a lot of, you know, that's the secret in college basketball, especially at the mid to lower levels. Um, we pro- we could have done that, uh, but you're talking about Dylan Branson, Josh Early, Aquan Smart. I, I still believe those guys can fill into those roles in their own kind of a way, and I think that some guys are maybe trying to do too much, putting too much pressure on themselves to perform at a certain level or try to be something that they're not if they were just the best version of themselves we can be still a good team, and we will be because we've had 38 practices to this point, and I think we've had maybe two bad practices. So the work is being put in. It's just you, you can't just expect the fruits of those labors to show up right away, and that's going to be the thing for this team. So uh, we constructed the roster the way that we did, Braxton Sacker, Rob Martin, and a bunch of guys that haven't been in those experiences or in those roles. And so it's going to take a little time, uh, but I think the more that you go through the hard stuff and still stay together and connected, the more that the better you'll come out on the other end. And so that's what I'm hoping for, and I, I know that's going to happen because, again, like I said, we haven't had these up and down, in and out practices. We've been very consistent. The guys have given great effort all throughout, and um, you know, so I, I feel very good about it. And we'll see what happens tonight because, again, every game is different, every opponent's a different. And um, but again, I feel I feel good about our guys and how we've constructed the team and how it's going to go into the future. I, I don't want to live on ten month portal i just don't know if that's right for us and so guys like rob and stack and bj and kez you know those are a lot of inexperienced guys but i think that's obviously the future of the program year to year to year to year and i still think you can build a program that way so after losing your top three scores from last year i asked you before the season are you concerned about offense uh and you said no you weren't concerned um any concern right now you played three games you're averaging 60 points yeah. per game you'd like to get a little more offense yeah i i didn't think that uh, offense would be an issue and i don't think that it will be going you know as we continue to move on i think it's been an issue early uh, but again i think it's been more a little bit more self-inflicted i think because of those other factors uh, i thought we got great looks at butler uh, grand canyon right out of the gate again you're talking about hostile environment so i don't know if you're necessarily gonna have great statistics in some of those games regardless uh, even if you go back to last year's i'd have to look at stats iowa missouri bradley and a couple of those games i don't know if our stats were great then um, but again i think that we're trying too hard and doing too much and not realizing what is going to work for this team offensively just yet uh, and again i think again the the, the more the, the mind space and the mental approach that you have towards it defensively i know we're a better team defensively than we've been in the past we were just going to outscore you in the past because we could that was our strength especially with those guards but now we, we've got to i still think we can and we will be better on the defensive side of the ball uh, as again as it continues to go so again I, it, we're going to look different but i don't i don't not it's a little bit of a yellow flag it's not a red flag just yet uh, and again i think we can once we start to figure out some things and, and know where guys can get shots and make shots and get cleaner looks by not over dribbling and, and passing it to when guys are open those types of things to get get a little more production inside and out um, we shot 4 of 13 from the foul line the other night. So it's just there was just a big deflating. But, again, I don't know if our mind was in the right spot because we're trying to chase something that we can't catch. We're trying to chase last year's success, and last year is done and over with. You know, and So now we've got to get back to what this team is going to be good at, and I think our guys understand that now, and now it's time to move forward with that. I know how much you guys break down video. What did you see uh, with Evansville? They got 52 paint, paint points, yeah. uh, points in the paint in the basketball game and i'm sure that was a concern and when you watched video what did you see 
you know, that's the thing we talked about. Coach Wheeler talked a lot before the game about being the toughest team, and I, I didn't think that we were very tough, uh, to be quite honest. And toughness comes in a lot of different ways and forms. It's not with your mouth or with any of that stuff, and it's not just having crazy fouls. It's, it's doing the things that you're supposed to do. We messed up a lot of defensive things that we've done for two years here uh, that we just lost. Again, it goes back to the mind space. We just lost uh, lost our way a little bit with that. And um, and I just look at the Evansville. We just didn't – we just didn't – Everything was just fragmented. We just didn't play. There was never a good flow for us. You know, we didn't even give. I told the guys after the game, we never really gave ourselves a chance to even lose that game. You know, and that's the thing that uh, uh, was the most disappointing. But going back and watching, we talked even before the game, Eric. The point we had to control the paint. So if you give a 52 points in the paint, I don't know how many teams you're going to beat. Uh, and all that said, it's a nine-point game, 11-point game at half, and we just we didn't have any flow. And then and the, the last thing with that, Eric, is I just didn't like the way that we looked. That was the most disappointing thing. You're going to win some games. You're going to lose some games. You're going to win some close games. You're going to lose some close games. Of course, you're trying to do everything in your power to make sure that you're on the other side of that more often than not. But we just didn't we didn't look like we had practiced. We didn't act like we have how we have practiced. And that's something that we worked very, 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 very hard on uh, when we first came here three years ago. Was changing that and so i wanted to make sure we don't go back to that you know you 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 put your best foot forward you you try to apply everything that you've done in practice but there's just certain things that you can't do or go backwards on and i thought we i thought as a group myself included we went backwards a little bit in that uh we weren't um we didn't we didn't look and we didn't necessarily um act the way that that i know we can and so then if you don't do those things then you're not going to perform the way that you can perform so i think it all go that was just more more than just a systematic or philosophical uh, way to go about it i think it was more of that than anything so you invented a word uh in our post-game conversation uh you said that is as unbasketballish as i can remember uh in my time here unbasketballish explain what you meant by that uh yeah i didn't even i didn't know i said that um Again, just it's a great dis- word. Uh, just yeah. disappointing. I would challenge it in Scrabble, but, you know, it's a good word. And again, I think that's what I was saying earlier, just on basketball mission from the standpoint of it's just we didn't give ourselves a chance to. It just was so fragmented. It wasn't, you know, a guy missed a free throw, and then we have no one saying, hey, you're all right, make the next one. Or we turn it over, and the guys are just kind of just getting back to the sideline. And uh, it just was it just was all fragmented, just seemed to be all over the place, and it wasn't necessarily about basketball. We couldn't even get to the basketball part is what I was frustrated with because we were – and it wasn't anything necessarily bad either. It just wasn't – we just weren't there in the right mind space. And so that was where it was just not – it wasn't about basketball. And then that's when you see the turnovers. That's when you see the missed free throws. Again, because your mind's in a different place. You might not make every – correct play or pass basketball is an imperfect game you might not make every free throw but it just the way that it was and the way it looked and the way that it felt it wasn't basketball stuff you know what i mean our minds just weren't and i don't know if that was again living up trying to live up to some championship standard that was last year's team or i have to play perfect or now we're at home and i'm gonna you know we're all two so i'm gonna go ahead and do this and we're gonna win and you know i just don't know where our minds were uh, and i thought that showed and so to me again it wasn't necessarily about basketball it just was a lot of unbasketball things so you give up you're, you're outscoring the paint 52 22 so you would expect okay man they were really dominant in the paint they must have killed Simo on the glass that was not the case in this game they out rebounded you by one you you rebounded the ball well yeah and we had so they had uh you seen forget his number 11 or number 20 he had a great game he had a career game and that's what they do they 
and they've gone on their four and zero. They haven't lost yet. And we got them again on uh, we get them again on Saturday. Some of their new players. This Hummerkhaus is really really good. Yeah, a six nine shooter, and I mean I mean he he changes the complexion of their roster in my opinion yeah exactly and the kid from uh, the Hafner kid from eastern illinois a year ago has really changed his body he's put on about 15 pounds and he was the obc freshman of the year yeah so they, year. they've they've done a good job of, of upgrading their talent and roster from where they were a year ago uh, but again it was going back to kind of the young basketball we'd have a bad play offensively because again we're over dribbling or not making the play or trying to hit a home run play thinking that there's a 20 point shot out there and now that leads to them just getting a run out and scoring in transition or we miss a three-point shot. We had a great look on the left wing, right in front of their bench. Couldn't have drawn it up any better. We miss it. That happens. But now we reach twice in transition defense and leave our feet on a shot fake, and they go get a dead layup. So it's not necessarily just a, a center or a big guy just dominating you in the paint. It's giving up easy easy twos, pick sixes in a sense. And that's where we can't – that's not – you're not going to make every shot. But we can stay on our feet on a closeout. You know, we can get back and build walls and transition D. There's a lot of things that we didn't do to help ourselves non-basketball-wise in order for us to get to the point of trying to win and finding a way to win a close, tight ball game, which it should have been. I can't prove this without breaking down the video, but it seemed like every time you turned it over, they went and got a layup. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm sure it didn't – not every turnover resulted in a layup, but a lot of them did. And when you and again we talked about it, I think we talked about it after the game, Eric. Your your transition, your defense is really set by if you're running good offense. And so if you're taking bad offensive shots or no pass shots, or quick contested shots, no one's in the right spot to get back in transition. And so now that just creates a whole nother. We're we're very similar to a year ago. Our, our half court systematic defense was not bad. They took some terrible shots in that game. I mean we played really really good half court defense, but again, bad offense leads to bad transition defense and so now if they're shooting easy threes or easy layups at the rim uncontested and shooting 100 percent off those plays well now you shoot 50 percent as a team because in the half court we're guarding you you're not scoring but we're giving you free looks or, or second chance points in the paint that aren't contested so uh, that's where that game kind of uh, fell it was not anything um and, again, when you're talking about a team that has gotten better, you're going to be in a dogfight. We're not going to be in any of these games where we just show up because we're at home and we're going to win. That's not the case. That's not the case against Angeles. That's not, that's not the case tonight. Uh, so, again, it's controlling what you can control to minimize the damage that can be done by the opponent. And that, we didn't get to that point. Uh, so when I say unbasketball things, that those are those things. You know, uh, they won five games last year. I think they were 1-19 in the Valley. They're going to win a lot more games. I mean, we we have seen them over the last couple of seasons. They are really improved. They're, I, I mean, they they could finish middle of the pack in the valley. Yeah, it's um, you just, you just never know anymore. You know, you used to be able to kind of know and be able to game plan a little bit based upon what it was last year. Uh, but like you mentioned, the the kid before they've they've gotten a couple good home runs, if you will, out of the portal. Uh, that have really helped them. And the Australian post player, I mean, he didn't yeah, do a skilled. lot in our game, but uh, he, you know, I was talking to their radio guy, and they're like, man, we love this guy. He's he's way better than they thought he was going to be. So there's another guy that's going to help them. Yeah, and then, again, opening night, uh, they were down, I forget what it was, to Miami of Ohio. Uh, and, again, that's just what winning does. Winning can, can create some confidence. So they, they found a way to win a close game at home. They feel good about it. They do, they play a 91, win that game. So they came in with a bunch of energy. Now they take our game. We help them play a little bit better. They went and won again, beat Ball State by 24 uh, on Saturday. And so momentum's a crazy thing, and uh, it, it can flip just like that. And, and so, I, I again, don't lose 
side of all of, of that, and, and I think that's just how kind of how college basketball is going to go now for a while. And teams that may not have been or were bad a year ago may not be bad again this year. You look at Butler again, for instance. I know they got kicked by Michigan State pretty good, but they brought Michigan nine. State's going to kick a lot of teams. Yeah, and they had gotten beat themselves, so they're coming in with a little bit of that hornet's nest mentality. And um, so again, I, I you're not going to know year to year. You're not going to know roster to roster. You, you, until you put it all together and get out there and play some games. Because, again, Butler brought in nine new guys. Uh, you're thinking, okay, here's a – if it doesn't go right, who knows what happens. Uh, but they 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 got it right. And, and of course, Coach Mott is a fantastic coach. And he averages in his career 25 wins per season. Yeah. Think about that. In his career, Thad Mata averages 25 wins a season. Yeah, he's uh, – really a lot of respect for him for just for what he's done and um, – just had a lot of nice things to say before and end after the game. You know, in a lot of those games, especially you don't play that well, and um, you know they don't—they can kind of just talk to you and just keep it moving and not say anything. But he had a lot of nice things to say. I was very impressed by that. Uh, but I wasn't impressed by the 50 seconds left trying to run a back door out of the timeout at the end of the game. So we'll stick that one in the back of our mental rolodex for next time. Well, I—I I just saw a football game on Saturday. We're playing at Bryant. They're up 35 to seven, and they onside kick. Yeah. I mean, those are the things that, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. So uh, you uh, so far have been shooting the three point shot pretty well. I mean, you got to like the way that uh, that your guys are shooting. And uh, Adam Larson has gotten off to a hot start. That's good news. Yeah, he has. And um, I, the thing I've liked about Adam is he hasn't been maybe a little bit tentative in the Butler game the first half, his first his first rip. But other than that, he's been super aggressive, knows exactly who he is. He's, he's gotten to the uh, foul line a little bit on rips, and so he's not just settling for threes. Of course, everybody knows that he can do that and uh, gets out in transition. But he had five rebounds, I think, against uh, Grand Canyon, if I'm not mistaken. So, again, adding and doing more than just being a shooter. You know, he can do some things. Even though he's thin, of course, we can see that. But he's got great athleticism. He can get to the rim, and he can. you don't have to necessarily be the strongest and the biggest guy to get a rebound. Sometimes you just got to go get it. And with his length, athleticism, and timing, and, and IQ, he can get some. There's no reason why he can't get four or five rebounds a game for us, you know. And I, so it's nice to see him have another progression to his game as he gets older. You know, you're looking at, you know, Dylan Brantz has been in our program for four years now. Adam, this is his third year, and it's, um, you know, you, you need to see that type of progression from guys. And I know it's a big jump from high school to Division One, but he was the all-time shot block leader in the history of Fenimore High School. He's starting to be a, a problem on the defensive end with altering or blocking shots. I mean, that, that looks like that could be part of his game going forward. Yeah, and, and again, it's just it's timing. It's knowing where the, the opponents are going to be. A lot, of, a lot of shot blocks don't come from me versus you it's normally weak side and so again if you've got the awareness and the the, the um uh, what I'm, the word i'm trying to think of but if you if you have the awareness of what's going on and the instincts to be able to get over to the other side of the floor to be in the area and, and he is six nine and he is long he is athletic uh you know he can altering shots again you don't have to be shaquille o'neal in order to alter shots at the rim you know as long as you're Altering shot is changing shots or making offense change and move, so it's not just a, an easy dead layup. So he has the ability with his, his length and athleticism to be able to, to challenge shots at the rim. How about uh, Braxton Stacker, Coach? Uh, he's your second-leading scorer so far, averaging nine points uh, and three rebounds a game. Uh, he's already got a couple of blocked shots. He's got four steals 
in uh, three games. How about uh, the transition for Stacker, who, again, like Rob Martin, barely saw any playing time last year at Murray State? Yeah, well, I think you can see the, the, the physical tools that he has. Um, he's a great kid, great young man, works hard. Um, he's, he's almost, him and Adam, really, we mentioned Adam just a, a second ago, but they're almost, they almost play it too close to the, to the vest. You know, they got to get a little bit, go out there a little bit more. Put yourself out there just a little bit more. You know, go ahead and, go ahead and try and dunk on somebody with two hands instead of avoiding that contact. So um, he played really, really well, too, in our close scrimmage, Eric, and uh, I think that's what he, the way he played in that scrimmage is how I foresee him playing uh, for us as he gets again more reps and more comfortable with who he is within us. Uh, but again, you can see the physical tools that he has, and uh, Stack is that guy that when you during the game you get so well, I shouldn't say you get so frustrated, but you get frustrated and think he's not doing something that he's supposed to. And then you go back and watch the film, you're like, man, he really did a pretty good job. But it's because he has all the ability in the world to be able to do what you want him to do. So I have no doubt that the way that he works, who he is as a young man, the way he's been raised, he's going to take off here um, at whatever time that is. But it's it's coming, and there's not going to be a lot that people are going to be able to do with him once that, once that kind of clicks for him. Uh, B.J. Ward, Coach, uh, and Rob Martin, there were plenty of times in the Evansville game you had them both on the floor at the same time. Did you like that look? I, I did, and... Um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to, to tinker with some things. and uh, But, again, you have – we've had B.J. for a while now. We've recruited him for a long time. Uh, that's the beautiful thing about B.J. He has a calming presence. As a freshman, you don't really see that, especially at that position, to have that uh, cerebral kind of uh, calming presence that he has about him and the way that he plays. He's under control. He never really gets sped up. Uh, he doesn't have a turnover Knock on wood on the season. I think he's seven or nine and zero. Well, he's going to have four of them tonight. Now that you said no, that, don't right? say that, Eric. Don't <laughs> say that. We got to bring those things down. But uh, but he does. He plays within himself. He knows who he is. Uh, but he can score the ball. He can be off the ball. And so you see him out there with Rob at times. I, and I don't see he's strong. Uh, he's a strong kid. Uh, and so I, I don't think that there's any reason why they can't continue to play together and, and really kind of share that point guard duty. You know, we really missed him in, in Butler. Rob played really well uh, at Butler. Was able. We just didn't get a lot of things to go at the rim for us. But um, you know, they're a nice, nice change of pace. You gotta have. You gotta have two. You know, you gotta have two guys that can handle the ball and and break a, a press for you. So again, going back to Rob, BJ, Stack, those types of guys, Kez, like those. That's those are those guys that you talk about like a couple years. Like man, I can't believe they're still there and they're really, really good because BJ's got a lot of uh, a lot of basketball. Uh, intangibles that he can bring to the table so we got a a question from the uh, gallery here uh joseph hobbs uh sends the text in uh coach he said ask coach about talking to the band i don't know what that text is all about but i'm sure you do yeah so i had a chance to go over to the show band at the river campus uh they asked if i'd come over there and just kind of share some words and um it was pretty cool. Uh, if you if you can see some of the pictures, the thing I loved about it is it went over there and, and uh, there the photographer was there, so it kind of worked out great for them and, and recruiting and everything that they have to run their program. So talking about what you had asked at the beginning of the show about uh, just that NCAA tournament and, and all those uh, emotions, feelings, and things that it does, I think that so many times you forget about all the other members, administration, families, band, cheerleaders, Sunday, all the things that go into it. The people that, you know, they're there from – 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. as well you know of course our players and myself and the staff all get recognition for that but there's so many more people too uh, that, that deal that go into that and uh, so to get over there and just talk to those guys and gals just about hey 
here's the the value you guys had. I showed them some clips uh, that we have. If you go back and watch the uh, the OVC championship game, there's times when the, the camera pans and the band, you know, they're going crazy and, and yelling. And um, so they need to feel a part of that too, because it is. It's it's creating energy within the gym. You know, we've got a great uh, facility. Ford Center was kind of quiet. People showed up for the last game, so there's some energy in there. So they bring some energy, and you know that's the thing. The message I tried to send to them was like they're sacrificing too. You know they sacrifice. They probably have outside jobs, and you know there's not. It's not just everybody. Um, just it has a perfect day all the time. You know, and I, I think sometimes we forget those other people too that are having an impact on what you're trying to do. And uh, so it's a unique opportunity to get over there. I appreciated that and, and to be able to speak with them uh, briefly and. Uh, gave them my cell phone number if they ever needed anything, and uh, but I think it was they were pretty, uh, as you know, pretty energetic group, and uh, it was it was pretty cool. But if you see some of those pictures, the thing I loved about it most is out there saying some words and talking. And Chris, you know, all the players, they get tired of me talking, uh, but all those guys, all the band members, they're just like looking at me, like actually listening to what I had to say. So that was pretty cool. Eye contact. Wow. Yeah, it was it was cool. The pictures are actually it was really neat. I actually saw them. I think it was last night. Maybe my wife showed me, and I was like, oh, that's pretty. That's pretty cool, but that's that's again that's what uh, that, to me that's what college is all about. That's what atmosphere and, and that's what it's supposed to be about. And um, really understanding too that you don't. It's not just Chris Harris being an OVC MVP. It's really everybody and the whole university being involved in it and having something to do with it and taking pride in that. So before we have Chris Harris up here, uh, what was it like coaching him for three years? And one thing, that his game evolved there, uh, especially later in his senior season where he could take the ball down on the post yeah. and score on guys. I mean, that that was an evolution of his game, and he was really good at it. Or, and if he didn't finish, he's going to the free throw line. You know he's going to make his free throws. Yeah, I think when you, when you think about it, three years and uh, four years for him total because uh, he got hurt, uh, kind of an anomaly in, in college basketball to be able to stay somewhere for four years, get a degree, and get a master's degree. So, um but our, our whole deal was, you know, Chris is kind of like stacked from the standpoint. It's like people have always wanted more from Chris because they see the, the talent and the ability that he has. And then as Chris, it's always like, man, people just leave me alone. Like, I'm going to go play. I'm going to do what I do and just leave it at that. But as a coach, you're just trying to continue to pull more out of him, pull more out of him, get him go to another level. Uh, and the level that he went to at the end of the season, uh, that was pr- there's a reason why he was MVP. You know, we get caught up in the MVP, but it's those three free throws when you're down one. Uh, with 1.9 or 2.1 seconds to go. I mean, that, those are three big-time free throws. Now, maybe we should have missed the last and all that, but uh, we were down at the time, and so I don't know how many people in those pressure-packed situations because he had missed uh, those free throws in Milwaukee in the same season, uh, if he remembers or doesn't remember. Uh, but, again, he when it's time, that's what your older guys have to do, and that's what your best players do is they step up at the time that you need them the most, and we needed it. And for four days, not just one. You know, he was he was fantastic all throughout. But um, telling the guys and telling him, and uh, you know, now as he gets a little bit older and away from the game a little bit, all the things that we tried to do, all the things that we stuck by with, all the things that he stuck by us with. Because again, I think when you when you look at guys like that, it's like he didn't get to choose me either as his coach. He was already here, uh, and to go through a pandemic and to go through it, he had opportunity. He could have left. And he didn't leave. And now look what happens on the on the back side of that. Two degrees, a ring, MVP. Uh, and, again, if you if you quit on yourself, if you quit on your team, if you quit on what's right, 
that never happens. And so now he's got life lessons and life tools. He's already been raised the right way by, by his parents and all that. But uh, he has things that Seymour has taught him that he can take on forever. And um, it, it wasn't easy to get to that point. And it's not supposed to be. You know, I didn't even, the one year, I forget which one it was, it didn't even start him in one year. So you're always going to go through ups and downs. It's just like family. you got problems in your family. Uh, but, again, you get through it and you get to the other side of it because it's, of, it's built on the right stuff. Uh, Chris is built on the right stuff from as a, as a young man, and then he was built on the right stuff the way he kind of approached it. We just had to get through some stuff because, again, it's it's not just – I think you think of him really too, Eric, is not only is it a new coach, but it's a new coach during a pandemic. It's a new coach during a portal. It's a new coach during a – so there's a whole lot of factors that go into this thing as a young person, as an 18- to 22-year-old. Uh, that they got to get through and shift through as well. And so as long as you've got the right people around you, more times than not, it's going to work out in the end. I don't know. Does he have the ring on? No, he had it on the other night uh, when we talked to him at halftime of the Evansville game. That is a really cool-looking ring, Coach. Tell us about the design. It's black, and yeah. you, you know, rarely do you see anything other than silver or gold, uh, but it's black. Tell us about uh, what went into designing the championship ring. Uh, so, of course, they send you some stuff the, the ring companies do, and uh, I was just kind of scrolling through. The, the, of course, they have hundreds of sure. examples and all that, and then one kind of just stuck out to me, and, um, you know, just of all the ones that I have, uh, none of them are, were that color, you know, kind of that slate black color that you mentioned. And so uh, just seeing that with some of the gold and then the red of the Red Hawk, I just thought it looked really, really cool. I was like, well, maybe this – so I actually texted Chris, Israel, and Nate, the seniors, a couple different options. Like, hey, what do you guys like? Uh, they text me back, hey, we like this, we like that, and then put it together. So I was, I was really nervous, honestly, to be quite honest, what it was going to look like because you don't – something like that you want it to be – you want it to have a presence. Like you, people got to be like, what is that? Uh, and so you didn't want it to be like, what is that? Uh, and so I think that that thing was more of one of those like, wow, that's a pretty – they did a great job with it. Um, really pleased with the way they did it and the stuff that we put on the side and the way that you can design it and, and all that type of stuff. So I think, again, it uh, turned out perfect and um, – the, the ring case that I had at home, Eric, there's 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 10 spots. There was one spot left when we showed up at, in Cape, and now that spot got filled, and so i got to go get you a gotta new one. you got to get a new one. got to go get a new box. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris Harris going to join us when uh, we come back. Then we'll wrap things up with Coach Corn. talk a little bit about their opponent tonight, Central Arkansas, who gave Vanderbilt everything it wanted the other night uh, in Nashville. So uh, they played well, and they will be in here tonight, 630 uh, will be tip off. Chris Harris going to join us when we come back. Welcome back to the Red Hawks Coaches Show. We are at Wings Etc. in Cape. Are we back in Cape next week? Yeah, we'll be back here next week. Uh, the Red Hawks will have uh, just gotten uh, back from uh, their tournament. They're going to Chattanooga this weekend. Games on Saturday and Sunday, but they've got the Central Arkansas Bears tonight. Chris Harris, the MVP of the OVC tournament is here. Uh, how are things going for you? Good. Things are going good. Just back in town visiting, you know, spending some time with the guys, spending some time around the team and coaching everything. So things have been good. So we just heard about Israel Barnes and Nate playing professional basketball overseas. Uh, is that not in your future? Uh, no, I don't think uh, right now professional basketball is in my future. I've decided to go pursue some other dreams outside the uh, scope of athletics. So. Uh, I've just decided, you know, to put the basketball down for now. So you have been playing basketball. When do you think you first took your first shot? How old were you? 
Uh, probably about three or four. Okay, so from age four, you've been playing basketball the entire time. You are 25 now, right? 25 and 98 uh, is when you were born. Uh, and so just stopping cold turkey from when you're four to when you, you know, you're 24 when you end up graduating from uh, southeast Missouri State. How is that cold turkey basketball done just like that? You know, it's pretty different. Like you said, I've been doing it pretty much my entire life. But, you know, I had the right people around me. You know, I was playing basketball pretty much the entire summer working out with the team and stuff. And, you know, for me, I was in a unique situation where I was blessed with, you know, an extra two years to play on top of what I was supposed to be able to play, you know, because of outside uh, circumstances. So I was able to play a lot longer than most people would play. So I feel like I took advantage of that. And, you know, sometimes the ball has to stop bouncing for everybody. And, you know, maybe it wasn't uh, my plan or in my in my destiny to go continue playing. Maybe, you know, my purpose was, you know, helping Israel Barnes or Nate Johnson or somebody else, you know, get to that point and just helping them do what they do, you know, on a bigger stage. So I'm glad everything worked out for them and they're enjoying it and they're, you know, going down there killing it and, uh, doing everything that they wanted to do. So I'm glad that, you know, everything good came out of it. So those who may not remember, you did not uh, play for SEMO your freshman year. You were at Missouri S&T. Uh, but for those who also may not remember, your first collegiate game was indeed at the Show Me <laughs> Center. And uh, it's ironic that you would end up calling the Show Me Center your home after you started at Missouri S&T. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a crazy experience uh, to be able to, you know, my first college game ever was to come, you know, my dream was to play Division One basketball. So, you know, at a, at a Division Two to come to a Division One and play my first game ever, you know, it was it was really cool to see the environment firsthand to be, you know, on the opposite side of that. And then to come back, like you said, and to be able to call this place home and to, you know, score my first points on these on the courts and score my thousand point on the same bucket that I scored my first um, points on at uh, Missouri S&T was pretty cool. So, uh, you know, yeah, it was just a unique moment and everything came full circle. All right. For those who are wondering, what is Chris Harris doing now that basketball is no longer part of the picture? Coach Korn pointed out you not only got your undergrad degree at SEMO, but uh, you uh, got your master's degree here at Southeast. Yeah, I got my undergrad and my master's. So, you know, I'm working now interviewing, you know, trying to move to St. Louis in the process of interviewing with a couple of different companies working in, uh, you know, either finance or, you know, some developmental companies to try to just, you know, use kind of my passions for finance and numbers and different things like that in a, in a bigger setting. So. And uh, it would be really cool if uh, whatever job you end up getting, that they they had a company basketball team, right? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, definitely. You, you could help. You could help in uh, multiple ways. Oh, for sure, for sure. I think that would be pretty fun. So you I, you mentioned it the other night that you are indeed, uh, you know, looking for an avenue because your specialty is business. I mean, that was your undergrad degree, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So that's that's kind of where uh, my head's. Heads up for now, you know, business has always been in my family, you know, my dad, my mom, my brother, and now my little sister's even uh, grabbing a, a hold of the business mindset in our family. So business is something that comes to us and something that's embedded deep in who we are, so we love it. All right, uh, and looking back now on uh, the four days 
uh, in Evansville at the Ford Center. Uh, you, you have a different, uh, I don't know, feeling now looking back than when you were going through it and winning the championship. Now you have a chance to kind of reflect back uh, not only those four days but that entire season, which included an eight-game losing streak, and you guys rebounded from that. Yeah, for sure. Now now it's definitely different. You know, at first you don't really realize what you're doing. You know, it's all in the moment. It's okay, we have to hit this milestone. We have to win this game. We have to win this game. We have to do everything perfectly. But when you do it, you know, there's not that gratification is there, but it's not until, you know, it's recognized, I guess, the year after. You know, it wasn't. It didn't hit me until we, we hung that banner because Coach Corn always said in our practices, you know, during the little times, it's not because, like, I think he touched on this earlier, we're not doing it because now we're doing it because it's been so long since one of the banners have been hung. So when he says that in practice and then we go back and go through those four games in four days and win a championship and actually hang a banner, it just it, it brings a different uh, sense of, you know, really uh, gratitude to it. Well, Coach wasn't excited about the performance against Evansville. You were there. You saw the team. What were your impressions of this year's version of the Red Hawks? Yeah, I'm, you know, honestly, you know, and with everything going on, you know, I might sound crazy, but, you know, I love the new team. You know, I spent a lot of time with them in the summer. I worked with them a lot, you know, in the weight room and doing conditioning and practice. So, you know, I've seen their good sides and their bad sides, and I know that, you know, this team is very talented, and I know they're just figuring out their way. Like Coach Lawrence said, you know, it's a lot to live up to, right? It was almost easier last year because we had nothing to lose. You know what I'm saying? But this year, you know, there's a target on your back. So, every, you know, everybody's coming for you, and you know you have to hold yourself to that standard. Now, what's difficult about it is that you do lose a couple key pieces, but honestly, when you look at it, everything that you need is still here, right? What really won that tournament was having Josh perform how he performed or having Adam hit the threes that he hit, right, or having Evan Ursher come in and play how he played. So the key pieces that really that you don't necessarily always see are still here, right? It's just – how are we going to bring that out, right? How are we going to get back to that end with a new team, if that makes sense? So that's kind of how I'm thinking about the uh, the new team. I knew, and Evansville is a good team. You know, they've been constructed well. But, you know, I'm really excited to see how the Red Hawks bounce back when they don't have that pressure on their shoulders and they can just play free. You going to be around for the game tonight? Oh, for sure. I wouldn't miss it. For All the right. Well, we'll see you over at the uh, Show Me Center. Thanks for squeezing us in. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate All right. it. Chris Harris. Uh, we'll get one more uh, thought with Coach Corn. He's got to take off. They've got practice. So uh, we'll talk. Uh, we'll just get a couple of sentences here from Coach Corn about uh, just exactly who is coming into the Show Me Center tonight. Central Arkansas and then the athletics director at Southeast Missouri State, Brady Barkey, going to join us. That's straight ahead. The Red Hawks Coaches Show. From That's having a Welcome back to the Red Hawks Coaches Show. Final segment here with uh, Coach Corn. The Central Arkansas Bears will be in town tonight. Coach, uh, your thoughts on Central Arkansas. They took Vanderbilt right down to the wire the other night in Nashville, 75-71. So, I mean, they, they outshot Vanderbilt in the basketball game, out-rebounded them, but the, they just didn't win the game. Yeah, they had their opportunities. They were down early in that game, and uh, that's what I was telling the guys the other day or yesterday. They're, they're a funny team in the, in the standpoint of, like, you think you got them down, they're down 14 against Vanderbilt, and then here they come, they go on an 8-0 run. And now they hang around, hang around, hang around. And so that's kind of how they play. They uh, lost a heartbreaker, uh, buzzer beater against Arkansas Pine Bluff at home. And so 
They've been a little bit. They've been right there in every single game, as you mentioned. So yeah, they got uh, an all-conference player out, and he won't be back tonight. Correct, correct. So, and their coach even a year ago had to leave. Uh, he had a heart issue, so he didn't finish uh, the season last year. And then now he's he's back in the fold. Uh, so again, a couple portal guys uh, that you never just know how something's going to come and play. But uh, they've been on the road. Came straight here from Vanderbilt, I believe. So there's no going back and forth. So, um, but an interesting style. Uh, they play similar defense to Evansville, to where they're going to switch a lot of things. They're going to switch up from man to zone. Uh, you're going to see some one three and one tonight, probably for the first time we've seen all season. Some two three, uh, switching everything man to man. So it's a it's a different kind of style that you have to get out there and just play a little bit and then read react. So. Hopefully we are in the right mind space and understand that, and I think we will be. I think our guys are a little bit more free, uh, just understanding, again, as we talked earlier, it's more so about us, uh, Eric, than it is necessarily about Central. We put in the prep and all that type of stuff, but uh, we've got to be right uh, mentally for us to be able to perform at our best this evening. All right. Uh, I know you got practice, so we'll let you, uh, we'll let you go. And Brady Barkey uh, going to uh, – Talk to us now, and uh, we'll see you at the Show Me Center today. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks, sir. All right. That is the Red Hawks head coach, and he will hand the headset off to Mr. Barkey, who is here with his lovely wife enjoying uh, a terrific lunch from Wings, etc. Hey, Brady, what uh, what's on the lunch menu for the Barkeys today? What? Uh, I had uh, sweet chili, boneless wings, and some tots. So you go boneless. Then. I do. It I keeps do. your fingers cleaner. That's right. That's that, right. So, you know, when I'm sitting in meetings, I don't look like I've just been out, you know, smashing wings. And uh, what did your wife have? Uh, that's a good question. Okay. She had a wrap of some sort, but I'd, I'd be lying if I told you I knew exactly what was in it. So but it was good, whatever it was. Yeah, it was not anything like mine. It had vegetables in it, I'm sure. So you uh, went on the Rhode Island trip uh, with the football team. That is as smooth a trip, uh, travel party, as I think you could possibly hope for. Uh, we're 30 minutes from the airport to the hotel, 30 minutes from the football stadium. Got there. It's a fairly short flight. It was two hours going there, two and a half hours coming back. That was a, that was a really good trip, I thought. Yeah, everything except for the game uh, was a really good trip. But, um, yeah, the, uh, you know, I mean, the staff does a really good job. You know, Brett Blackman and, and his equipment staff do a really good job of, of being able to get everything orchestrated. Um, and then, um, you know, Nate Saverino and Ken Phillips went out early and kind of got everything organized in terms of hotel check-in and buses and, and um you know, food and drink prep and all of that stuff. And so there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that nobody realizes. Um, they to, only realize if some if there's a snafu somewhere. Then they realize. But if it runs smoothly, it seems like, you know, nobody really pays that much attention. Yeah. I, and, I know you do. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, that's I think that's the nature of it. You're looking at it, trying to figure out, okay, do we have everything taken care of? And then, you know, things went so smoothly leaving that we were a half hour ahead of schedule. And so now it's I like, okay. The, I was on the plane at 6 o'clock. The, the buses, you know, as, as we're talking about going out there, the, you know, the buses are already scheduled to get to the airport at a certain time, and you're going to check in at the hotel at a certain time. Well, now when you're leaving a half hour early because things are smooth, well, now, okay, now you've got to double back and say, okay, we need the buses there now a half hour earlier than we told you, and, hey, we're going to check into the hotel earlier, so we need all the keys, everything all set for check-in. 
you know, you don't roll into a hotel with 120 people and go to the front desk and say we're here to check in, right? All of that stuff is done in advance. And so um, there's a lot that you have to orchestrate. But uh, we've had the the privilege of being able to do that several times over the last few years um, and some of that being playoff related. And so um, we've had a a good opportunity to to learn how to do that. And we'll do it a couple more times next year, too, as, as we look at the football schedule for next year. So um it's uh it's a nice way to travel but i i know that uh everybody that's involved in it is glad that we don't do it every time because it takes a little bit more work than it does just getting on a bus and normally when you are playing a conference game you know that you're going to get that team at home the following year not the case with bryant they're jumping to the colonial uh, i'm sure simo would love to get them back to uh, Hawk stadium especially on site kicking up 35 to 7 they would like uh, nothing better than to, to play Brian again. But uh, the the season is over for football. It was a 500 record in conference play, three and three. And, uh, you know, now is a chance to, you know, Coach Took said, to, hey, for the first time, we might we might look at the portal a little bit, uh, you know, with regards to offensive linemen and maybe other positions too. Uh, but uh, that's the first time I've heard him say that. We may We may investigate the portal a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, before we turn the turn the page and talk about next year, you know, I'd comment on that uh, trip out to Bryant. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely, We when we have those types of, types of games, you expect that you're going to get it returned. Um, you know, it costs $100,000 to put a team on that's a plane and Coach, fly out to Rhode Island. That's what Coach Duke said. That's an expensive trip. Um, and so, yeah, it's not cheap. And we took a smaller plane than, than we normally do um, for that reason because of how expensive it is. And so when you don't get that game back um you know not only now does that shuffle the schedule and and impact your number of home games and all that other stuff but you know you're taking on expenses that you're not getting returned and so um yeah that's really unfortunate you know obviously they made the decision that's in the best interest of them and and we'll figure out how we you know how we go from here but um that one's too bad but um you know as we turn the page to you know to 2024 season you know, I think, um, you know, it's interesting. You'd like to look and say, okay, here are the pieces that we know we'll have back. But unfortunately, with the transfer portal, you don't even know that yet. Right. Um, and it doesn't open for a couple of weeks. And so you're now even kind of in limbo here um, until early December to be able to try to figure out, okay, who's leaving, who's staying, um, you know, that type of thing. And so I think, um, you know, right or wrong, Coach Tuke, I think, has kind of in his mind always had this mindset of, you know, I have to assume everybody's leaving. And if we're not preparing that way, we're going to get caught off guard and we're going to end up having a, a hole we have to fill. And so, um, you know, if you do lose some of those key veterans, you're going to need some people that have some experience. You know, you don't want to you don't want to replace your seniors with freshmen and expect them just to go out on the field and, and perform the way you want them to. So. Um, it's it's a nature of the beast, I think, right now that you have to at least be seeing what's in the transfer portal. And uh, for anybody wondering, uh, that'll most likely be the last time you only get four home games in a football season, right? And next year, what are we looking at next year? Yeah, next year, um, you know, we will have five home games next year. Uh, we're currently on, uh, you know, on the schedule to be able to have six home games the following year. Um, and so uh, we've made some shifts around. We'll, um, you know, we'll announce our schedule, um, you know, sometime here in the near future. But there's some neat opportunities for us in the next couple of years that we'll have an opportunity to, to participate in and, and be able to get games back at, at Hauk where we can. Um, but then, 
you know, it's a it's an interesting puzzle that you have to put together to be able to figure out, um, you know, what does your conference schedule look like? How many of those games are you playing? Because as you know, we mentioned Bryant, you know, them leaving now all of a sudden that blew up the whole conference schedule and it all got redone and reshifted and and uh, you're trying to get a home game back that you lost because Bryant's not coming here and and that type of thing. So um, right now. If everything stays the way that it is, we'll have five next year and, and six in 2025. And for those who do not know, I mean, you did not cross the goal line and spike the football at Hawk Stadium. There's still a lot of work to be done over there. Where are we uh, with phase two? And uh, are, have, I know you were saying uh, they're going to get the plans, I mean, make uh, a different set of plans. Where are we, and how's the fundraising going for that? Yeah, so we're still working through that with the with the architects. There's a couple of um, you know firms we're working with the Lawrence Group uh, out of St. Louis, and then they have a, a sports architectural group, uh, O Sports, that they are um, you know utilizing as well to help us with some of the design work. And, um, you know, that will probably take place over the next uh, few months. And I would expect that by, you know, probably the end of the spring, we'll have something, you know, conceptually that really will put the whole puzzle together. And so we've been talking about the press box being the next phase, but we know that the East End Zone building is going to have to be uh, something we figure out what all goes in it and uh, how it gets configured. Um, The field house is going to need to be addressed. The north side grandstand is going to need to be addressed. Um, and then we also have uh, a gymnastics practice facility that is currently over in Parker uh, that is in really bad shape. Um, you know, sadly, we actually have that facility sandbagged on the inside of the building to keep it from flooding wow. when it rains. Wow. Um, so, um, you know, those are things that we're trying to look long term. Um, obviously, the, the football piece of it is important but it goes much much wider than that in terms of our need and so we're working through all those things and and hope to be able to have a a pretty good plan uh, in place by the end of the spring and uh, you know in the meantime we're just having conversations with people um, that we think can make you know some leadership gifts and some you know impactful um, you know investments into SEMO athletics in our future and and trying to be able to to continue to, to, to kind of push us along and uh, and be able to try to get that next phase started, which I think will be the press box. And, you know, I mean, I think from my standpoint, I'd hope that, um, you know, by the time that this 2024 season is, is upon us, that we're, you know, hopefully looking to be able to, to get started with that and, um, you know, and, and then kind of tackle it uh, just, you know, one piece at a time. So you, what I'm hearing, you would anticipate in two seasons. Probably two seasons probably. before we'd see it done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what I would expect would kind of be our, our hope. Um, you know, and again, depends on what all goes in it, um, what the final price tags come back as, and, you know, that type of thing. But, but I think that that's probably our, our most realistic approach. Well, when we first saw the uh, the new addition to the south side, uh, they did not have the Red Hawk logo and everything out in front of the stadium. That has changed now. It looks pretty sharp. Yeah, the, uh, the Red Hawk head above the entrance and then the SEMO word mark that is kind of through the entrance, um, you know, I, I think are both there. And those, uh, if you go by there at night when it's lit up, um, it's really impressive. And so, you know, that was part of that, you know, we wanted some visual appeal to it in this initial phase. 
some of that is kind of temporary because obviously you you know have a press box that will go and, and will cover up some of what is there. Um, but at least in the interim, it, it doesn't look like a half-completed you know type of, of project that it still is, is impressive when you go by. All right. Basketball season is going to be fun. We've got a big game tonight. Yeah, it, you know, I think it's, um, you know, this this beginning part of the year is always so hard. And, you know, as an AD, you hate it because, you know, you know a lot of these games that they're playing are these obligatory games uh, that they have to, to play to be able to make the budget work on both the men's and the women's side. Um, you know, I don't think... I don't think Brad is intentionally wanting to go and, and schedule Butler as cool as a, of an experience it is to go to Hinkle. I don't think that's the game he wants to play, just like Rika doesn't want to go play Northwestern. Um, but those are games that help pay the bills, and so you get yourself past some of those games, and then now you get a, a chance to really be able to um, you know, see where you are and continue to develop those young players into the program and, and that type of thing. So I think on both sides, both the men's and the women's, I think we'll see tremendous growth out of them as we get through the rest of this non-conference season and, and ready for conference play to, to tip off, um, you know, after the holiday. And, and uh, I think it should be a, a really fun season, um, you know, come the first of the year. And uh, the one thing that uh, the coaches can be appreciative of is the fact that you're only playing two money games. Go look at some of the SWAC schools and how many money games they have to play on a year-in, year-out basis. No coach is happy about that. Yeah, you know, the the true money games, you know, it's always an opportunity that you can go and you can squeeze some additional money out of some other things. You know, as you look at MTEs and some of these lower-level games, uh, we've been able to do that in, in football, too, as you take on, you know, some big sky-type games or Missouri Valley-type games that you can maybe get paid for a one-off, um, and they're maybe not going to return it back to you. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think smart scheduling is one thing, especially as you look at Brad. I think the job that he's done, you know, scheduling, you know, teams like Missouri State, South Florida, you know, those kinds of games that you can win those games, um, you know, I think is, is a much better approach than just going and, and laying down and, and playing, you know, three or four SEC games and, and you know, just taking the L's and, and moving on. The paychecks may be a little bit bigger, but the competitiveness, it doesn't help you. And so um, I, I really appreciate the approach that he takes in particular in, in towards, uh, you know, scheduling that type of game. I know when you came to here today, you weren't expecting to be on the radio, so uh, we appreciate it. We coach wanted to get out of here. They've got to practice at one fifteen, so yeah, we no, always happy to do it. All right, that's Brady Barkey. Thanks uh, for his time, Coach Corn, Chris Harris. Uh, thanks to Rachel Cook, our engineer on site. We've got uh, ESPN Radio coming up for you, and don't forget it's a six thirty tip off tonight. Hope to see you at the show.